the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. on the Central Coast. It is Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. I'm Dave Congleton, welcoming you to another edition of Hometown Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are with you all the way until 7 o'clock. On this broadcast, later on this hour, Robert Diaz is checking in from County Adult Protective Services. He's going to explain to us the so-called California Master Plan on Aging and what's happening, not happening with our own county. Jack Hardy visits during the 4 o'clock hour. Let's talk about the two grumpy old men we have to decide between to be president of the United States. What are we to do? Joe Tarika, the editor of the Tribune, joins us at 5.05 to explain what is happening with our newspaper of record. And then Sam and Aaron Cotton at 6.05 explain why electric vehicle sales are declining in California. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. First up, I want to visit with uh, Charlotte Mead with Mead Canine Rescue up in Creston. We have been talking a lot since COVID about the fact that there are all these dogs that are being returned and it has reached dramatic stages, not just across California, but across the country. And it's even starting to be felt right here on the Central Coast. Why am I talking when Charlotte's with me? Here's Charlotte Mead. Charlotte, good afternoon. Hey, Dave. It's been a long time. Hi. Well, hi. You've been very busy. We appreciate all the work that Mead Canine Rescue does. So let's start with the latest, Charlotte. How challenging are things out there for people in dog rescue? hasn't changed and i'm going to say don't blame covid because i moved here what 12 years ago it was just as bad it was bad 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 covid might have brought more people out to ordering off the internet i guess i want to say um i've had two incidents in the past couple weeks where elderly people have ordered puppies puppies They're in their 80s and 90s, and I kid you not, ordering puppies from the Internet. It's so easy. There are so many things we could do differently, and nothing's been done. Nothing's getting done. We're still on absolutely overflow. Um, All the pounds are full. I get every morning I wake up to emails, and every email from every pound, every email is from some pound all over California. So, hundreds of emails, and nothing's gotten better. Nothing's gotten better. Well, but what's gotten worse is that we have people in their 90s who want a puppy. Wow. And they're, and they're able to sit at their computers because they're able to do that. My mother wasn't, but these people are. And they're sitting there, and they're ordering puppies. And they're telling me when they call me to say, we can't take care of this puppy now. We've had her three weeks. Where'd you get her? From a breeder. Well, where's the breeder? You have to send... 
Well, the breeder's in Missouri. So, oh, really? The breeder's in Missouri. So $1,800 later to buy the puppy and 400 to fly the dog out. They're not breeders. They're puppy mills. And it even doesn't matter if they're bre- breeders. Right now, nobody should be breeding, and nobody should be, but there's no law against it. I get that, and there, there never will be, probably, because they've got big, they've got, got the big guns in Washington supporting them. But, boy, can we stop the advertising of the 18,000 puppies every day on puppy.com and not letting these people get taken by these puppy mills who continue to thrive and all these dogs, healthy dogs, are being euthanized every day in California and all over the country because we're not doing anything about it. We're not making easy. We're not making anything. We're not taxing them. We're not, we're not making them go to task for what they're doing with the sale of these puppies. There's, there's nothing. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no regulation. What keeps us from having these kind of regulations? Why doesn't anybody in Sacramento, Washington, seem to care? Well, I don't know, Dave, that, and that's the thing. When I look at how you could prevent, how you could start taxing and prevent the sales of these animals, Elaine's now, Elaine Giannini, who works on our Facebook, dear friend, she's trying to get Facebook to re You know, the puppy people who aren't allowed to, not Facebook, I'm sorry, Craigslist, they're not allowed to advertise on Craigslist puppies for sale. Well, guess what they do? They put puppy pads on there, and they turn out to be puppies for sale when people go to punch on the puppy pads so there's there's no regulation um it would be so easy wouldn't it well no nothing's easy i get it but having somebody sit at a desk and in in washington in sacramento in in any state capital and and not allow these ads to be not allow these these people to advertise puppies for sale just block them you know, we've done that with child scams. We've done that with, and a lot of them are scammers, and people still get taken because they don't know. And we've done it with animals, uh, child things. We've done it with pornography. Do it with animals. Charlotte, uh, me. Charge, 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 out-of-state registration. Charge $5,000 to get an animal sent to another state. Charge whatever it takes. Make laws that don't allow that kind of thing. Charlotte Mead from Mead K9 Rescue back on Hometown Radio. I have to admit, I've never been on Puppy.com. I wasn't aware that it even existed, but now I'm glad that I don't know about it. Go on. Go on, Dave. 18,000 puppies on a given day are posted for sale. And yet the pounds are filled to capacity. But go back to our county. Is there any low-cost spay and neuter anymore in this county? No. Woods is no longer low-cost. There should be free. And by the way, I want to put this out there to everybody. I know maybe a lot of people who know us, yes, we go to Mexico quarterly. We also, when we don't physically go down there to do the clinics, we support the clinics because it's making a difference. The government is supporting us now. We're making a huge difference in Mexico. For the first time, we are having a clinic that me, K9, and, and Chiquita's friends, Geraldine, who you know, yeah. we are sponsoring first clinic in Bakersfield on the 14th of March. If people want to send, it won't be $20 a dog. It will be about $60 a dog. But we're, And it won't be nearly as many because our vets are not equipped to handle as many. They're not that skilled in, in fast spays and neuters. But we're doing it in Bakersfield on the 14th of March. And if anybody wants to send in $60 for a dog to get spayed and neutered and save a lot more puppies being born, please 
go ahead and support us on that because I'm really excited about that. We're finally bringing it to California. And Simi Valley Vet low-cost spay neuter clinic is going to go ahead. She just opened a clinic in Bakersfield. Very good news. We should do a hundred. We should do a hundred animals, a hundred dogs. We're, we're not doing cats that day. We're doing dogs. We'll do a hundred dogs that day. How do we donate? PayPal. Send to the PO box. Uh, go on our website or where our PayPal account is and designate that you're willing to give sixty dollars to to help fix a dog that day in Bakersfield, where things are out of control. All right, uh, Charlotte Mead is with us from Mead Canine Rescue, updating us. On the increasing canine overload we are facing in this state and across the country. No one seems to be wanting to do anything about it. We'll chat some more. First, let me give a shout-out to my friends at Peak Wi-Fi. Peak Wi-Fi provides reliable wireless Internet here on the Central Coast. They have highly trained technicians who provide local services and support. Go to peakwifi.com for their current plans and pricing. They specialize in rural areas and can provide a complimentary service check of your property. Go to peakwifi.com for more information. No hidden fees, no added taxes, no contracts. Just great service. Peakwifi.com. Happy Tuesday. Good to be with you on Hometown Radio. I'm Dave Congleton. After news at the bottom of the hour, first-time guest Robert Diaz checks in from County Adult Protective Services to explain the California Master Plan on Aging and how the county fits in. Right now, we're in conversation with Charlotte Mead from Mead Canine Rescue, based in Creston, reminding us of the challenges that she and her colleagues face. But as we come back to you, Charlotte, let's remind folks about the clinic in Bakersfield in March and how they can support you. Really exciting. We're finally, and I know people who don't agree with going to Mexico because there are so many dogs here, but I always explained we would love to do it here, but we haven't been able to because of the rules and regulations and the prohibitiveness. But Diane Bentz, from, uh, she, she's the vet at Simi Valley Low-Cost Bay Neuter Clinic. She's a gem. She's come to Mexico with us. She opened a clinic in Bakersfield. She is, she is doing a clinic that we're supporting, that we're paying for. So if somebody wants to spay or neuter a dog that day, it would be $60, and they can send us that $60, and we'll, we'll make that dog in their name or something. And that's huge because that saves thousands of lives it saves hundreds of lives. Every dog gives birth to a lot of puppies if it's out, when it's out of control, and it's out of control if a dog goes through a natural life giving birth to puppies. So if you want to, then you can PayPal us $60 and designate it for that clinic on March 14th, and we're thrilled to be doing it in Bakersfield. I'm really happy that it's happening in California. I'm the first one to say I wish we could do it here. And you know, this county is now lacking low-cost spay, but every county is. We haven't, the, unfortunately, and, and we've talked about this today, but it makes economic sense to have free spay-neuter clinics everywhere. Maybe the pounds wouldn't be so full. And all these jobs, that the pounds are packed to capacity. People don't realize that, and the excuses have to stop. If you want a Shih Tzu puppy, you can get find a Shih Tzu puppy. There's every breed rescue in the book out there in California for sure, and we see them all the time. And we we 
I mean, these people buying online, you, you don't, you can go to the dog pounds. If you're uncomfortable going to the dog pounds, call a rescue because we rescues. Nobody's Ark is at Bakersfield. She'll, she'll look for something for you. I'm down in LA all the time. I mean, not down there. I'm, I'm on line with LA city and LA county all the time. We're pulling dogs there every 10 days. And I'm in touch with every Shih Tzu and Poodle and uh, every breed in the book. And anybody who says it's just pit bulls and chihuahuas, they're wrong. They're really wrong. Not an excuse anymore. Forever, probably ever. Who's the decider in terms of the county, in terms of getting more money for spay neuter? Would that be the county board of supervisors? I don't know. I think here's what we do. We do free spay-neuters for people. Mead Canine Rescue offers free spay-neuters to people. So call me, and I'll go ahead and spay or neuter your dog. We're not the big bucks, but to me it's worth it. So call me, and it has to be at our vet because he's reasonable, and he's wonderful, and he'll take you tomorrow. But I'm not going to let – I'm not going to say no to anybody who calls us from our thrift shop or wherever who walks in and says – Hey, we need our dog fixed. In fact, we did two this week. Uh, I mean, two last week. Uh, call me. I'll get you in tomorrow, and I'll get your dog fixed. No. So don't, don't hesitate to call. We will pay for that because it's worth it. All right. And so what is it, Dave? Who goes where? I would love to see any any organization offer free spay and neuter. It's, it's just a, I don't understand why they don't. Well, you got three choices. You either increase adoptions, you decrease the dog population, or you do absolutely nothing at all and let the system solve it. And that, to me, that's not a solution. Hasn't been, and it's not. And, and the saddest thing about animal rescue is that it gets worse, not better. And why is that? I, why is that? And, and it's not COVID. It really isn't. It's always been bad. It remains. It's always been terrible, and it remains terrible. Uh, and okay. uh, here's a, here's yeah. a text coming in on the Stolberg line. The frustrating thing for me is when you tell people to spay and neuter, they always say that they'll find homes for their animals, and somehow that justifies it. <laughs> Somebody wrote that in? Yeah. They'll find homes for their animals, meaning what? I don't even understand. Well, no, it's it's pretty straightforward here, Charlotte. The frustrating thing for me is that if you tell people to spay and neuter their dog, they say they always find homes for their animals, so that somehow justifies it. You mean they're saying they'll always find home for those puppies or kittens who were born? Yep. Uh, And then those puppies and kittens, how many times do you notice, because they're too young when they give them away or sell them, and that's the thing with puppy mills. They don't send dogs out spayed or neutered. Those dogs aren't fixed. They're selling those dogs for 1,800 or 800, whatever, maybe 400, whatever they get now. It's not that expensive sometimes, but they're never spayed or neutered, and they don't follow through. They don't care. So those dogs create 6,000 more dogs and another thousands and thousands as you go because exponentially it's so huge as we all know worse for cats but that person isn't making any sense so when you place your six puppies that you had born unspayed and unneutered probably you're taking away from anybody going to a dog pound to get a puppy and there are puppies in dog pounds bakersfield's been all the pounds have been filled with puppies so it doesn't 
I don't I don't get it. I don't go with that. I don't go with that logic. Well, even here at Animal Services, they're full to capacity in terms of dogs. It's strange. They only have like three or four cats, but they're overflowing with dogs. Right. So what does that mean? It means the problem that has been in other parts of the country has now come to the Central Coast, and we have to figure out a way to deal with it. Oh, absolutely. Last Christmas, as you well knew, Dave, because you were part of the the whole thing we dealt with, how many puppies did we end up with last Christmas that were dumped on different roadsides? We ended up with, what, 17 puppies for a while there in December and January who were found on Quest to Grade, the one group, another group found on 101, another group found out in the... We, we had so many puppies, we were... You know, why? People were just literally dropping them off, yep. leaving them on the road. And so that's what happens when you don't when you don't spay and neuter and when nobody really does anything about it. Word, and so uh, when finding homes for those puppies, they're not spaying and neuter that's a bad no. Whoever wrote that, I don't I'm not understanding it. We're at the two minute mark with Charlotte Mead. Put a plug in for the thrift shop in Atascadero. Our resale shop. Let's call it a resale shop. It's okay. a fantastic shop. It's run by Linda Williams in Morro Bay. She has a great volunteer staff, and it is a fan. Everybody loves it. Everybody talks about it. It pays our vet bills, and it helps us support spay and neuter that we do for other people's animals in the community, and we are helping a lot of people. Cats, too. Cats and dogs. We are, we are helping people get their animals fixed. And uh, that's what we want that shop to do. And it's got a lot of cool stuff. It's a fun shop. Everybody loves it. 4303 El Camino Real in Atascadero. That's right across from the old Kmart, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's a fun place to shop. It's cool. Uh, Dealers go there and really nice stuff. It's clean. It's nice. It supports the animals. All volunteer. It's a fun place to shop. With one minute left, how full are you at Mead Canine Rescue? You got a lot of dogs? You know what, Dave? We had 15 adoptions this week. And today, I came from Los Osos and adopted a dog from San Luis Animal Services at San Luis. He adopted about an 18-year-old toothless wonder. Amazing. A big guy took a little chihuahua and one of our min pins, a young min pin. A young, to me, seven years old min pin. And so we've had a really great week with adoptions. It's been great. What's What's the website? It's meadcaninerescue.org, meadcaninerescue.com. Make that donation. $60 will save a whole lot of lives. And March 14th, go ahead and even show up in Bakersfield. It's going to be held in the parking lot of the of the pound of the Bakersfield Animal Services on um, Mount Vernon. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. All right. Keep up the good work, uh, Charlotte Mead. Thanks for checking in with us and giving us the update. We will talk again. And I'm going to be Bob Barker. Spay and neuter, everybody. Please, spay and neuter. <laughs> well said. Okay. All right, Charlotte, thank you. Off we go. We've got California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig gives us all the latest in time saver traffic and weather together. Robert Diaz is in the house. Let's talk about the California Master Plan on Aging and our role in that here in the county. You're listening to Hometown Radio.
And next week on Hometown Radio, we'll uh, be away on Monday. We have the holiday, but we'll come roaring back. We've got uh, Tom Folks. We've got Heather Moreno. We've got Eric Gorham. We'll give you all sorts of perspectives as we march you towards the March 5th primary. Jack Hardy during the 4 o'clock hour. How do we end up with two grumpy old men as our choices for president? We'll hear from Jack. We'll hear from you. Uh, this segment we put the spotlight on the Department of Social Services here in the county. Robert Diaz is back on this broadcast, program manager with the DSS. We're going to talk about aging and disability. Yikes. Uh, Robert, good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you for having me, Dave. I guess this is a, an extension of the so-called California Master Plan on Aging. Remind us what that is, please. Yeah, so the California Master Plan on Aging is essentially a statewide plan uh, developed by the governor's office to address our aging populations as well as our disabled populations across the state with focus and intentional services as well as engagement, government funds to local level programs uh, and the like. So I don't know if you have the numbers with you, but how are we doing in this county? I'm going to guess we have a lot of older people in this county a lot of people who are retiring in this county. Yeah, we do. It's absolutely beautiful area. Um, as we all know, our coast is an absolute magnet for retirees, as well as for those who have been here their whole lives and that want to stay here. Um, really, when it comes to the makeup of San Luis Obispo County, uh, the numbers are a little rough, but over 25% of our population is either over the age of 60 to 65 uh, or considered a disabled adult. Or it could be both. Yeah, or it could be both. And that's above the state average, which is around 17 to 20%. So... Um... What is the role of county government on this issue? I mean, there are people who are growing older, there are disabled people. Okay, what's your role? Well, when it comes to the county government, I mean, you know, I work with the social services department, um, but we always have been actively engaging with our older populations. We have the Commission on Aging that helps inform the Board of Supervisors with what is going on in the community and also engages community agencies and community members. And then the Adult Services Policy Council, which is more of a community-based organization group and committee that really looks at the issues uh, and convenes and collaborates, you know, monthly, uh, you know, through the Department of Social Services. I'm going to guess, though, Robert, that one of the reasons you're here today and the one of the reasons you have the job that you do is that we're not ready as a county to address this growing gray population, because if we were, you wouldn't have that job. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I hesitate to say that we're not ready because we're doing it, and we're doing it with the resources that we have. Well, here's the thing you sent me. San Luis Obispo County's overall services are not robust enough. Yeah, they're not robust enough. To meet enough. the full scale of needs. It doesn't mean go. we're not ready. doesn't mean we're not doing it. It just means that we need more, and we need more robust services across the county in more of our rural areas, in our coastal populations, uh, and really just more providers. We don't have very many geriatric providers here. Uh, we don't have very many services outside of our independent living resource center or our Tri-Counties Regional Center that allow individuals with disabilities more on the cognitive level, higher levels of autism, things like that, to be able to live independently within our community or live safely. Any thoughts as to why that is? Why don't we have more? You know, I think when it comes down to it, all I can say is, is that, you know, we find out where our deficits are when times get hard. Um, and I believe, you know, during the COVID era, which we'll just call it that for now, uh, we found out how much we needed more. 
you know, a lot of resources shut down. A lot of seniors were unable to get access to their everyday resources, uh, food. They weren't able to go out as easily. Some had issues even getting transportation to get out of their homes, which increased isolation, things like that. And we were able to see the impacts of that through our emergency rooms, through our adult protective services responses. We saw that through the state's response uh, to prevent homelessness specifically within that population, uh, providing funds through, uh, you know, uh, works like Project Room Key or Project Home Key that were able to keep seniors safe house or those that were homeless, like the uh, facility up in Paso, mm-hmm. to be able to get in there and have a safe place to age in the community. Robert Diaz is on this broadcast. So let's talk about this grant. The county's gotten a grant provided by the California Department of Aging. Yes, that's correct. What's, tell me about the grant, please. So the grant is for the Local Aging and Disability Action Planning Program. So this is one of the initiatives of the Master Plan on Aging at the state level that is providing funds to local areas across the state. Uh, we are one of the 15 counties that have received, actually one of the 15 areas, and I believe only one of seven actual county governments that have taken this on uh, to bring this to our local area. You're talking about a lot of money? Yeah, a good amount of money. Uh, it's, you know... It's weird. You're going to hear a big number out there, but I really want to emphasize that it's not as much as you think it is. We received around $298,000. Uh, and that's not that much. That's not that much. When you're really looking at uh, a big program like this, and almost a good majority, if not all that, are going to be going to a consultant. Uh, we've just hired a consultant by the name of Health Management Associates that's going to help us uh, really focus our programming uh, and be able to do it you know, and align it with the state uh, and maybe some national efforts as well. So let's back up, Robert. You, you have this huge grant almost $300,000. They couldn't round it off? I don't know. What are you expected to do with that money? What are they expecting from you? The expectation is by March of 2025, we will have a local level plan to address aging and disability more intentionally here in San Luis Obispo County. The goal here is to not have only us here at the Department of Social Service or the broad term, you know, the county of San Luis Obispo government, but also of our local providers, nonprofits, anybody that's serving older folks or folks living with disabilities in this county to take part and do their piece, whether they're going to add to the work plan itself saying this is what our agency or group are going to be doing, or, you know, they're going to be helping us achieve these goals that we set for ourselves. So you have about a year to pull this off, and I suspect you're going to need to talk to the consultant more. But in general, how do you reach that goal? What do you see yourself doing over the next year? Over the next year, we're going to be holding uh, focus groups and listening sessions in targeted areas of the county where we know the most concentrated and vulnerable uh, populations of both older adults and adults living with disabilities are. Uh, And then we are going to be taking that data and pulling it all together and having it influence our plan. Uh, I do want to kind of just really state that there has been actually pre-existing efforts, studies, things like that through the Adult Services Policy Council. Um, I believe a couple years ago, there was a document called High Value Opportunities for Improving the Lives of San Luis Obispo County's Older Adults that really highlights a lot of the local level needs. That was done by a group of advocates, uh, and I believe with the support of, uh, I think, Jimmy Paulding to be able to do that. Those advocates moved on to be a part of this advisory committee, and that document can be found on the Commission of Aging webpage, which is just Google it. Easiest way, COA slow. Just Google that. You'll click on the page. You'll see the title. Check it out. I recommend it. So you're going to gather all this data, and then what do you do with the data? Who is going to be making the policies that will improve the lives for seniors and disabled people in this county? 
We will be identifying the highest needs and the agency's best place to do that, including the Department of Social Services and any other local government agencies that are able to participate with resources available, um, and then engage that way. You know, we're, we're still in the early planning process, and so I don't want to commit our community partners to doing one thing or other. But what I can say is at least the Department of Social Services, we are committed to having measurable goals and objectives at the end of this to uh, show to the community that we are intentionally doing the work at least internally for ourselves. Uh, we have a listener on the Stolberg line who wasn't sure if they heard correctly. Are you saying that most of the money on this grant is going to go for the consultant? Majority of the money is going for the consultant and then against the project coordination for that. Um, to really kind of really put that into perspective uh, without getting too much into the weeds of it, really when you break down grant funds, when they actually come in, those get split up quite a bit. So you have your primary program goals that a lot of the funding is going to go to. And then you have different funds like administration, things like that, program management, i.e. me, to help also coordinate this, uh, come here, get paid to come here and do these things, you know, as an employee, uh, if I'm not doing them as a volunteer, uh, which, you know, probably I would be if I wasn't an employee of the county. Um, and then, you know, that's it. You know, and as you said before, $298,000 is not a lot when you start breaking that down to what is needed. The consultants are pri providing around three or four different staff that are specialized in this work that have done actual national work from Texas and all across California on these multi-sector efforts, many of which have to do with older uh, populations and disabled populations. All right. So we have a lot of older listeners uh, tuned into the show and perhaps some disabled people as well. How can they help? What is it that you want them to understand about all this, Robert? I want them to understand that their voice matters and it's the most important part of this project. It's what's going to be driving the effort. It's going to be their experiences um, and their, you know, in their voices that are going to really reinforce what is needed. It's going to be what's communicated to us as the providers and to the community at large to ha even have their part in this. You know, we can talk about dementia friendly communities, things like that, where a community can invest in it of itself to protect its older folks. Um, when it comes down to that, take part in the focus sessions and listening groups that are going to be scheduled. Uh, we're going to be getting those out in awareness to the community over the next few months and being able to have sign-ins. Some of those groups will have incentives too, so that's cool. Make a couple bucks, you know, get your feedback, you know, do that. Um, but then there'll be additional opportunities to provide your voice uh, either online through a form, a survey, something like that, that we're going to get out to the broader county outside of those focus groups as well. Is there a website they should be watching? So currently there is no website for the LADAP at this time, so the Local Aging Disability Action Planning. We will be developing that through this process over the next few months. What you can do now is if you are interested in taking part, there's two ways that you can do this. Uh, we are looking for community members to take part in our advisory committee. Uh, you can go to the Department of Social Services, just go to the general contact question referral form, let them know you want to get a hold of me. My name is Robert Diaz, I'm a program manager. They're going to forward it to me and I'll reach out to you directly. Or, again, we're going to go with the Google way. You can Google ASPC Slow County, and then there will be a contact information for one of the members of the Adult Services Policy Council that will route it to me uh, and the LADAP Advisory Committee. Is there a number of people, is there a specific number of people you need to reach? Uh, you know, in the county in of itself for this yeah. grant? Yeah, yeah. Well, for the grant programming, we're going to be looking to reach around four or 500 different people, specifically within the focus groups and listening sessions that are going to be planned. Um, outside of that, it's going to be anything beyond that. I'm trying to reach for as many people as possible. 
And one of the goals we're looking to do, potentially part of this plan, is join the uh, AARP community, uh, like healthy healthy communities effort, um, which is a nationwide effort that is uh, AARP to do you know master plan on aging and give us tools for longevity of this plan uh, locally. All right, we are in conversation with Robert Diaz from uh, Department of Social Services for the county, talking about the uh, study that they're going to be doing and how you can support it. We'll come back and chat some more. We're live. We're local. We're hometown. Tomorrow on Hometown Radio, we'll find out about the next production of By the Sea Productions. Peggy Cotine is going to introduce us to the Green Party candidate for the U.S. Senate from California. Michelle Doster will be with us. Larry Martinez, join us on Friday. He may be the only person I know who supports the California high-speed rail, but he claims that the majority of Californians now support it. We'll hear from Larry. We'll hear from you. Jack Hardy joins us after news at the top of the hour. We are back with Robert Diaz from the County Department of Social Services. We're talking a little bit about the overall California Master Plan on Aging and the specific grant that he and his department has received and how they're going to be studying older and disabled members of this community. It triggers the question as I come back to you, whatever happened to 211? I used to be able to pick up the phone and dial 211 and be connected to all sorts of local social services. Yeah, you know, uh, as far as I know, the hotline for 211 is still working. So if you dial that, it should still connect you to the 211 service that is hosted by the United Way. Uh, you can also go to, I believe, 211.org or the United Way website itself to get linked straight to 211. Uh, it's still an active service. It still has, in my opinion, probably one of the most robust lists of community services that can be found, everything from senior services to children's services across the board, uh, along with, you know, um, another great resource that we can talk about real quick is uh, through the Area Agency on Aging, their Senior Resource Guide. So um, is this government or just private nonprofits or both? These are nonprofits. For 211. 211 is a nonprofit, if I believe the United Way is a nonprofit. So if I want to know more, I'm just trying to figure out why I would want to call 211 now. It's just to find out more about my options. Yeah, so it's it's really about accessibility. I mean, some people would say, hey, calling the phone line uh, doesn't work. But I think, especially for our aging populations, it's a much more familiar way to navigate a service or set of information. Similar to that, like the Senior Resource Guide, it's a book. They can flip through it, similar to like Yellow Pages and whatnot. Or for those that have a hard time using computer for whatever dis- disabilities they may have, uh, it's easy just to pick up the phone and hit 211 and go through that line. Why do you need an advisory committee? Advisory committee, because it keeps us honest. Uh, but well, we're the county. Yeah, what's, keeps, what's, what's there to worry about? We have five supervisors. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think it's really important that the community has the most input into what we are doing here, um, more so than the county itself. Because realistically, you know, if I'm to really be honest and blunt about this effort, um, this is an independent effort that was already happening prior to the county receiving this grant. What ended up happening is, is through our meetings, through Adult Services Policy Council, Commission on Aging, and through other community meetings, I was able to engage with some of these individuals that were part of this effort, part of that white paper that I uh, explained about earlier, and then really came across my desk in an email, that of that and my deputy director, you know, hey, 
here's an opportunity to provide an augmented program, some funds to get this going faster, to get it going sooner, so we can start the work now as opposed to waiting several years while you know a smaller independent group starts planning, trying to figure out where the resources are. We can bring everybody together now and start now. But aren't we already behind Ventura? Weren't you telling me that, that, that we're behind Ventura County? Oh, yeah. You know, when it comes down to, to that, you know, behind, I wouldn't say in a bad way. I think they've been able to pave the way for us in the way they are addressing their, quote unquote, local level master plan on aging. You know, they're addressing it through a community lens, trying to do the full spectrum of aging and really highlighting, you know, a, an aging community as they go. They're looking at dementia friendly uh, stores, meaning their stores that are able to facilitate community members that are, you know, living with dementia when they're having a hard time navigating a grocery store. You're going to have staff that are well trained in that way they're looking at ways to do that they are figuring out ways to better connect their existing resources within the county just like slow county ventura is pretty broad pretty wide there's a lot there you know you you know you can go from one place to another and you know com- see a completely different vibe a di- completely different culture similar to here in slow county but this isn't like what they just finished with the homeless this isn't the count you're not going out to count Mm-mm. disabled people or elderly people in this county no, you're no. just trying to identify the status of resources. Yeah, to really, yeah, to really simplify it, we're going out there to identify the status of the current resources, find where the deficits are, and then plan to address them. When's the last time we did that? Uh, or have we ever done it? I mean, we've kind of done it routinely uh, over the years. One of the most persistent efforts that I'm aware of in my time here in the county is the Slow Community Health Improvement Plan. Uh, so you can go to slowhealthcounts.org to check that out, and you'll actually see an example of what we are shooting for in our LADAP aging plan of what we want it to look like in in the work plan. Um, But they've been doing that for quite a while, really evaluating the community where the deficits are, engaging the providers and working that way. This is the first time that the effort's going to be done focused specifically on an older and disabled population. So how does this differ from slow chip? Slow chip. Well, you know, honestly, this is really going to become a sub sub part of slow chip, a focused effort of that larger work. People, what slow chip is, please? It's a community health improvement plan uh, put together by the slow. Slowcog, I believe. No, I'm sorry. Slow Health Counts is slow mental health, behavioral health, public health. Just fake a, it. It's okay. Yeah, we have no, we have not. a lot of different departments. Uh, but anyways, it's being done by the county, really. You know, it's it's putting it that way. And again, slowhealthcounts.org will show you the overall effort. And this is the broader effort that really says, hey, our community needs these deficits, not just a focus population. What we're doing is focused on older adults and what are defined as adults living with disabilities, which can be broad term. You know, generalized anxiety, things like that from just being a little too stressed out. Or it could be, you know, higher where individuals have acquired cognitive deficits or they're born with certain disabilities that really require them to have better supports in the community. Hmm. So once all this data is gathered, where will it go? Who gets to read it? So once all this data is gathered, we will be putting it and collating it on an eventual website where we'll be able to track the progress of the work plan over the next few years. You'll be able to see the data that's been collated and put together, read that, and then find which agencies are doing what for the plan and, and how it's going. Hmm. Do, you, do you have any expectations as to what the report will reveal? I think it will 
pretty much reinforce a lot of what we have known for the past few years and have been working on, but due to the limited resources there. So we're looking at like in-home services for personal care, safety and homemaking, uh, transportation, you know, for routine medical care or social activities, assistance, caring for loved ones, you know, particularly those affected by dementia uh, and safe, stable, affordable housing. I think that is a, a big one that a lot of folks are, are looking at right now. We don't, we don't have a lot of housing here for people with Alzheimer's, do we? No, there, there really isn't a lot of a lot of specific services or, say, like skilled facilities that are able to accommodate that. Um, unfortunately, a lot of our individuals that require that higher level of care that especially those that cannot afford it are forced to go out of the county and find cheaper alternatives elsewhere. Is this the kind of thing, Robert, where this would stop someone who is older or uh, disabled from moving here to begin with because they look around and they don't see the services that they would expect? Is that what, what's at stake here? trying to keep retired people here? I mean, we want to keep people here. We want to keep our community healthy and aging here. We want, we don't want to have to send them elsewhere. We don't want them to feel they need to go elsewhere. We should have everything we need for people to stay here. Um, so, yeah, the idea is we want to keep people here. We want to keep people healthy here more so than anything else. Hmm. And then finally, you talk about the need to better connect existing resources and providers to develop more efficient and netted services for individuals. Mm -hmm. That's correct. So, you know, a lot of this has to do with uh, our pre-existing services and, and what we have. So we do have services for transportation, fall prevention, nutrition, assistance using technology, you know, et cetera. There's a lot of different agencies like Independent Living Resource Center. They are more a recent uh, ADRC, which is an aging and disability resource center. So they have resources that are available now to older populations. I believe it's 60 plus, don't quote me on this, uh, that self-refer that can help them with technology, you know, in-home supports, things like that, navigating housing if they need support. Um, and then when it comes down to the rest of these services, we want to make sure that we can have that robustly for everybody and available because, again, it's one agency with a limited limited resource. But at the end of the day, the best advice is don't get old. Nothing we can do about that. But I mean, mm. you know, realistically, when it comes down to it, you know, this is an intergenerational effort because although we are working now for our existing population, you know, it's really important to understand that we are also, you know, I'm, I'm 35 years old, so I'm also working for myself. I'm later twice on. your age. And you don't look at Dave. You don't look at it at all. <laughs> well, I hope when you get to be my age, that everything that you need is in place and ready to help you. Yeah, I hope I did a good job. Yeah. yeah. Final thoughts? Um, yeah, you know, the community's input is extremely important. You'll be hearing things, you know, online uh, at community events. Um, if you hear about the focus sessions or listening groups, please do sign up. Um, and if you hear about us at community events, health fairs, things like that, come up and say hi. Come have a chat. Um, we can talk about the effort, and I would love to hear your input on it. All right, Robert, thank you. Appreciate the conversation. Thank Off you. we go. We've got news, traffic, weather. Jack Hardy He's not a pup himself. He'll be here. Always an interesting conversation. Stay with us. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.